Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Michael Calderon Show. We're so glad you can join us this evening. Um, if you're here in uh, in South Florida, uh, where I'm located, then um, the weather has been pretty nasty lately. Um, pretty much flooding just about every day from um, from some rain, ter- terrible storms. I think I saw uh, Noah's Ark floating by a little while ago. Uh, so we thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I want to give a birthday shout out to Morales Scott and to Lizzie Livingston. Thank you so much for being friends. And uh, I hope that, that you have a wonderful, wonderful birthday. And uh, we should be celebrating uh, our friends and family every day, not just on their birthday. Um, and uh, we have a we have a great guest that's joining us this evening. We have Nikki Woods, and uh, and Nikki is an American radio producer who's based in Dallas, Texas, and is best known for her work as the senior producer on the nationally syndicated Tom Joyner Morning Show. Uh, she's also a personal branding coach, social media consultant, author, motivational speaker, and voiceover artist. Uh, so we're going to be talking to her about uh, about her career. Um, she's had, uh, numerous accomplishments and, um, uh, is just, a, you know, it, it'll be interesting to hear her now kind of on, on the front line because much of her work is behind the scenes doing, uh, production. Um, so we're, we're just so happy that she could join us today, uh, from Texas. And, uh, how are you, Nikki? Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh no, it's my pleasure. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. And and I want to uh to share your website. It's www.nickywoodsmedia.com. And yes. uh, and certainly uh make sure you follow her on social media. Uh you can go to her official Facebook page as well as Twitter. And I believe it's at Nikki Woods. Uh and, um, yeah, I'm pretty much at Nikki Woods everywhere. I think I'm most of my right. social media platforms. So pretty right. easy to Absolutely. find me. Yes, indeed, indeed. And um, I, I know that much of your work uh, in terms of radio uh, has been somewhat behind the scenes uh, on the production side. Um, well, actually, ha- had, it, it's okay. been okay. No, well, th- this last leg of my career has been behind the scenes, but for the most, for the majority of my career, it has been on-air talent. So I started out as a sideline reporter uh, for ESPN before I, tra- you know, and did some news and uh, reporting there before I transitioned into radio, and and then I was the on-air co-host and news director uh, in Boston and Chicago. So I um, I transitioned to behind the scenes because. Um, one, I got fired in Chicago, so I had to find a job. <laughs> and two, um, I really did want to add to my skill set because being fired is definitely a wake-up call. Um, and on-air talent, uh, the positions are very limited. So I wanted to add to my skill set, and I also wanted to learn syndicated radio. So, um, you know, Tom had been after me for a while, just, you know, wanting to know what I was up to. And then, you know, when they made a different decision in Chicago, I was available um, and so that's when I, I came to Dallas to, um, to produce his show. 
Oh, wonderful. You know, I've never heard anyone sound so enthusiastic about being fired from a job. <laughs> well, they say <laughs> in radio and TV, if you're not fired a couple times, you really haven't done anything big. So uh, it, it was definitely an interesting choice, but I think that, uh, or an interesting time, but I think that for me, especially with my career, um, I've never been fearful of not working. So I never was afraid to, you know, of losing a job. Um, but I always think that sometimes when you hold on to something too long, which is what I think was the case for me in Chicago, um, you know, you will be released from it whether you like it or not. <laughs> and usually that's for something uh, better. So I think that I should have probably said goodbye um, to that situation. Long, well, not long, but before it happened. Um, and when I just continued to hold on, but still hoping for something better, you know, I was released and uh, it did lead to something better. So I'm extremely thankful. Yeah. You know, it, it's many times it's, it's those moments in life when, you know, it appears, it appears as though it's such a bad thing that's happened. And we come to find out maybe not that same day, but sometime in the future, we come to find out that it's one of the best things that could have happened to us. Would you agree no, with that? No, absolutely. No, absolutely I agree. And, and like I said, I mean, this, that has never been my particular issue. I mean, I have that issue in other areas of my life, just having that faith and, and not you know, being fearful of, of the unknown. Uh, but I've never had it in my career. But I think that for a lot of people, I mean, obviously, you know, you want to be able to support your family and pay your bills. You don't want to live on the street. You know, there's some very basic fundamentals you want to make sure that you have covered. And, you know, having a job is often, you know, a necessity to make those things happen. So it is scary um, to to be in a position where you're let go and you really don't have the next thing lined up. Um, but like I said, in, in my experience, and like you, you know, and as you said, most of the times when these things happen, and then people down the line are like, "Oh, you know, I, I got right. upgraded. You know, it was I, it was a better, you know, I'm in a better situation now than I was then." Um, you know, but we forget that, you know, when we're in the moment, and um, you know, it's like when I'm coaching clients, and you know, and and they're going through some kind of challenge in their business or on their job. I mean, I always tell them, I mean, this is not real. I mean, we've had success, we've experienced success. We've experienced the challenge and we've overcome it. So we have a track record, but we always forget that we're in the, when we're in the middle of the valley. We always forget that we were on the mountaintop. And yes. so um, we, have to, um, we have to hold on to, you know, that faith, but also the memory that we have of all our successes instead of, you know, forgetting them when we're, we're in that valley and we're kind of struggling a little bit. Right. Absolutely. No, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. You know, I, uh, I served with the Broward County Sheriff's Office here in Fort Lauderdale uh, from 2000 to 2012. And uh, the sheriff that I worked for uh, lost his reelection. And, and I was a part of his staff and his team. And, mm -hmm. you know, I knew that the incoming administration, there was no way that they would want to keep the people that were closest to the sheriff. Uh, especially right. there, there was there was such bad blood between the outgoing sheriff and the incoming sheriff, and right. uh, you know, and and we got notified by email that we were not going to be retained by the incoming sheriff, and you know, luckily they told us before he got there, and um, you know, by email that's a whole other issue, but uh, <laughs> you know, 
at, at the time, I thought it was one of the worst things that that could happen. You know, I mean, right. certainly shock and awe and, you know, and everybody was like, wow, you know. And, you know, I can look at that situation now and say, you know what, it's one of the best things that happened to me. It opened up, God opened up many doors and, and windows as well. And, uh, you know, I, I kept trugging along. So, so, you know, I, I know firsthand that it's not always a bad thing when, when some doors are closed, you know, uh, it's quite often a good thing. Um, you know, and it sounds like for you, it's a good thing as well. And, uh, no, it, it definitely was. I mean, it was um, it was it was a period of great transition. So I won't, you know, pretend that it was all, you know, roses and and you know right. perfume. But um, right. you know, the move to Dallas was was difficult. I was a single mother of two really young sons. That the youngest one was in preschool, the oldest one was in kindergarten, and you know, we moved to a place where we had no support system. Um, I left my entire family in Chicago and their father's side of the family in Chicago. So. Um, so it was, it was, but it was a, a period of great growth. And I think that for me, um, you know, I, I, I had to grow in areas that, you know, I hadn't paid much attention to. Um, and I think for my children, they developed an independent spirit that they might not have gotten, um, had we stayed in Chicago. So, I mean, there's always good, there's always bad, you know, you always have a little salt with the sugar. Um, but I think that when we look at all the blessings, you know, the, the salt tends to fade away. The bad things tend to fade away when we focus on all, on all the positives. Um, and there are always positives. I don't care what right. situation you're in. There are always positives. Right. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and your two boys, Tyler and Willis, um, how old are they now? Tyler is 15. He will be 16 in November, and he's like 6'3", so he's huge. Um, And Willis is 14. So I have two teenage boys. Um, They're amazing, amazing children. I don't know how I got so lucky because they they have made my life extremely – um, easy as far as parenting goes. Um, they've accepted my, you know, my career. Um, I'm not sure if you, you know that I resigned, um, from the Tom Joyner morning show. Were you aware? Yes. Yeah. Well, oh, okay. I, I kind of had that <laughs> feeling. Kept... I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> okay. Cause you kept ta- saying it in the present tense and I was, I was like, Oh, maybe he doesn't know. So I resigned in September because I felt that finally I was at a point where I was ready um, to choose, you know, or, or at least, you know, make my children in our relationship and, and their, you know, their their connection to me a priority. Not that it wasn't um, a priority before, but my career definitely um, was in the driver's seat. So a lot of things took a back seat to, to what I did, and that was fine for that period. But then it was time to make another choice. Um, and so it's like, I'm kind of reintroducing myself to my children. Um, they're not used to me being around so much. Um, you know, I never, like I've, this is the first year my son has started his freshman year. This is the first year that I've ever taken them to school on the first day of school. Um, I've never been on a field trip. Very rarely have I gone up to the school and like had lunch with them. So it's like now I'm around all the time and they're kind of looking at me like I'm nuts. <laughs> but it's so much fun for me. Um, and I right. know they're having fun too. Like, for instance, we're in Chicago for two weeks. 
um, you know, just to hang out with my parents and my sister and her family are still here. And, you know, we can do that now. It's like, if I, you know, when I was working, um, we couldn't do that. Like, I wouldn't take this kind of time off um, unless, you know, it was a scheduled time where the whole show was off. So it's just been a very interesting journey, but I am I'm I'm loving the place that I'm in, um, and I know that I'm only here because of all the things that I've done in the past and all of the people that you know were in my path and and helped me grow and you know and 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 you know added to all of this. So uh, it's been right. an exciting journey. Yeah, and and you know it's it's a it's a crucial age for Tyler and Willis. Fourteen and fifteen. No, it those is. Are <laughs> <laughs> it is, and um, it, it is, and I don't want to miss it. It's like you know, I've got four more years, and then you know, the first one is off to college, and then the second one is right behind them, and you know, we're looking at girls. I mean, it's just all these little That's things right. that That's are happening, right. <laughs> um, and so I kind of want to be home uh, for yeah. a lot of it. But um, like I said, they really are amazing. Um, kids and they've never given me one bit of trouble that you know that that made me scratch my head I mean they've really been good but I think that um, I think that they have probably been more of a teacher for me than I have been for them in some instances so um, they really are great kids <laughs> they right. really are Right. Well, I, and and I think what's significant too, and, and it's going to be impactful, is that, you know, based on their ages being so close together, fourteen and fifteen, they'll be they'll be leaving the nest around the same time. You know, one right behind the other. Right. And I told the right. youngest one, I just may send him to college with his brother. It depends on how he acts. But. Um, <laughs> But yeah, one right behind the other. Um, but I'm glad I did it that way. I think it's interesting, um, you know, because they always have each other. Now, they're not necessarily best buddies because they have right. two totally different personalities. But of course. they can always count on each other. And that's what I, I really like about that. And, you know, they don't bother me as much because they have each other. <laughs> to, to, right. It irritates. So, um, so I'm glad I did it that way. My sister and I were the same way. Like, she, you know, we're exactly the same age you know, spread. Um, we right. weren't best buddies either. We're much better now, but I mean, I always knew I could count on her and I think that's important. Right. Now, are they, are they protective of mom? Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> it is so <laughs> funny. They are very protective, especially, well, in different ways. The younger one is protective on a on a day-to-day basis. So he's always like, are you okay? Do you need anything? Do I need to get you some drink? Like he's that kid. He's like the, the okay. love bug that always wants everybody to be okay. But now the six, three, he likes to make sure that nobody's messing with mom. So we were uh-huh. at the gym one time and I was on the treadmill. And this poor guy just jumped on the treadmill next to me. He wasn't even talking to me. He wasn't even looking at me. And I look up and Tyler's on the other side, like giving him the eye, like don't mess with my mom. I was like, wait a minute. It was just, it's so funny. Um, But Tyler is a very, the oldest one, he's very laid back. You know, sometimes you have to check to see if he's breathing. Um, But when it's time to stand up, he's like, he's ready. (laughs) But most of the time he's just super chill. Um, but it's 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 funny to me. It's really funny. We recently had the conversation about me getting remarried, um, and like I had made the conscious decision not to um, not to remarry until they were at a certain point, um, right. because I knew right. that they just needed my you know entire focus outside of my job. And so, sure. you know, they had met people. I've had friends or whatever, but nothing serious. 
And so I had the conversation, you know, like, that is my intention. I intend to get remarried. And so what do you think? And the oldest, the youngest one was like, yeah, that's going to be great. I'm glad, you know, go for it. Good luck. And the oldest one was like, well, that's just weird. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, well, what's weird? And he's like, you know, they're just so used to it being just us, really. And so I was like, well, soon it's going to be just me because you guys are going to go off to college. And, you know, you don't want me to. Right you know, be alone and, you know, I need somebody to hang out with. And he's like, okay, hang out. Really? That's what we're going to call it. And I was like, right. Yeah, that's, that's what we're going we're gonna to stick with that. And so, and he was kind of like, well, good luck. I was like, well, thank right. you. I, I appreciate it. So it's interesting, but it's fun. Boys are a ton of fun. They really are. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, once they have their girlfriends, then, you know, mom kind of isn't exactly. as much of a focus. <laughs> exactly. And and yeah. I, and I'm laughing here because, you know, I uh uh my mom was a single mom and uh who raised myself and my sister and you know, I was I was that protective son. And I pretty much chased everybody away that she dated. I mean, there was no way they they'd make it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, you, I, you know. know what I told him. You know, I, I think that it. You know, they have to trust me that I'm going to make a good decision. Good decision. One. I mean, right. obviously they're a big factor, but I mean, I don't think that they should be. You know, driving this this cart. <laughs> so right. I mean, they have to trust me to make the right decision, um, and that I'm going to pick somebody that's going to accept them, um, and treat them and love them. You know, as I would want. You know, somebody that I'm bringing into their life to treat them. Um, sure. And so, you know, it it will be interesting. Like I said, they're really used to it just being us. And we're like a really tight little, you know, nucleus group. I mean, we, we do right. everything together. So it, it's going to be interesting. But I am. But that is my intention. And I am sticking with it. All right. Well, you're going to have to keep me posted on that. <laughs> Let me know how that one works out for you. I am optimistic. And, you know, we have some beautiful venues here in South Florida to get married. South Florida would definitely be a definitely be a getaway spot. Yeah, definitely. It's a great destination. It's a great location for a destination wedding. Yeah, I'm all in. See, yeah. now we are we already have the we already have the location. Now we just we have the, the location. Group. I'll officiate <laughs> your wedding if you don't have anybody. I'll there you go. more than happy to officiate your wedding. So now I picked that's out the dress two like five the years ago. Well, and I got the dress. So I picked out the dress oh, like five years perfect. ago. Yeah. Okay. So we're good. All right. So we got to get the groom and right. the photographer. <laughs> you know something? Right. That's, you know, that's minor. Get the groom. That's minor. <laughs> that's right. Now, let, let's talk about your, your earlier years and, and, you know, where you were born and raised and grew up. I was born and raised um, in a suburb called Rock Hill. It's a Saint, you know, suburb of St. Louis, so it's in St. Louis County. Um, you know, like you know, like I said, I have an older sister. Um, Rock Hill is a very um, quaint town. I think is a good word to describe it. Um, okay. My father was born and raised in St. Louis. My mother uh, is from Jamaica. They met on a blind date when she was working at a hospital. In St. Louis, and wow, history. Yeah, it was, it's pretty cool. They have a really, you know, pretty cool. They just celebrated their fiftieth wedding anniversary. Um, oh, many blessings was, to them. 
Yeah, she came to Jamaica. I mean, she came from Jamaica to to do her schooling, and she was, you know, doing some work in hospitals. And a friend of hers that knew my dad was like, you know, we should hook you up, and you know, it worked out. And then she actually left and went back to Jamaica for five years, um, because her grandmother got sick. So she went back to take care of her grandmother, and he wrote her, you know, letters. She has this whole trunk full of of love letters from my father that she won't even let us look at. Oh, um, so yeah, and so then finally she moved back here, and you know they had they got married and had us, and um, you know I think that I I had a pretty normal upbringing, you know I am I'm a big old daddy's girl, still am. I mean you know the sun rose and set with my father, um, right? To me he is larger than life. Um, and you know, I love my mother because she didn't kill me because of it, because I was, I could have, I was quite brutal to her at times um, right? because she wasn't him. Um, but she understood it and she accepted it and, you know, she kind of got in where she could fit in. And I mean, now that I'm a mother, I appreciate that more than, you know, ever because, you know, it's, you know, it doesn't always go that way. Um, but right. she had my sister, my sister was, you know, she's a mama's girl. So <laughs> at least one of them, they oh, had okay. one. So there was so All right, well, that, then that's equal. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's equal. Um, yeah, so my dad was in politics, and he was um, he worked for the government, and um, he was, you know, he, he rose through the ranks, and he eventually became the mayor of the city, and he served two four-year terms there. Um, so that was exciting because I was, you know, a teenager and going into college. So, you know, we got to be a big part of, you know, his campaigning and, and that right. sort of thing. and. Um, my mother, she, she quit her job when, um, when I was born and, uh, she stayed home with us until we got to school age and then she went to, you know, work at the school we were in. So she would be on our schedule. And eventually by the time she retired, she was the head school nurse for the district, um, that we went to school in. Uh, and actually, um, before I went into radio, I was a teacher and we worked at the same school. Uh, when I was teaching in St. Louis, but I quickly wow. figured out that that was not what I was supposed to be doing with my life. Right. So, um, so I went to Jamaica and taught for a while because I promised my grandmother I would, and then um, I went back to back to school and got a degree in journalism, uh, and that's when I started my career in TV and radio. Wow. So, so yeah. that's that's where that's where your passion was was in media. You know what? I I don't. People ask me like, well, how did you decide? And I don't even remember what the decision making process was. I think it's interesting because um, you know I went into education because I really do love children, and I, I you know I babysat and I always had you know the younger ones in church and you know in the neighborhood. I mean they always um, and I loved it and I I still love children, um, but teaching is such a you know you have to be just such a dedicated. Uh, and committed person because, you know, outside of the children, there's just so much that you have to deal with. I mean, the parents are, you know, are one thing, but there's politics, there's the school board, there's just so many different things. It really is, um, uh, to a large degree, a thankless job. Um, They don't get paid nearly uh, enough, um, and they don't get appreciated nearly enough. Um, I agree. and, And like I said, I knew early on that I was not, you know, cut out to do that. Um, and so I'm glad that I got out of the way and, you know, let another, you know, a good teacher um, take my place. But 
I don't remember what the process is. I just know that growing up, I was always told that's what I should do because of my love for children, that that's what I should do. And I really don't remember um, exploring anything else. But I know, you know, that growing up, like, I was always, like, the communicator. Like, you know, my dad came home at 4 o'clock, you know, like clockwork every day if he wasn't traveling. And, um, you know, he would take a shower before we had dinner. And so he would miss, like, the 4.35 o'clock news. Um, and so I would give a recap, you know, <laughs> would give my own version of, of the news. So there were, like, signals, and they were, like, you know, things like I was always writing. I was fascinating with certain things that just lent itself to journalism. And um, and nobody, not not a teacher, not my parents, not even myself, I mean, nobody, you know, suggested this. So um, when I went into it and it clicked so naturally for me, um, it was it was just amazing. But I really don't remember why I decided to to do journalism. Um, But, you know, I think it's the Lord at work, but that I can't remember the actual logical decision making process. But um, but I'm definitely glad I did. (laughs) Definitely glad I did. Well, that's wonderful. And and I know that. you also you also uh work with a non profit uh pretty brown girls and yes. uh um uh, yes i mean tell us about that. for them so pretty brown brown girls is really just designed um for you know to make all girls you know realize how special they are um and so it started with the concept of just creating dolls that reflect you know all shades of brown whatever that may be um, and, you know, it, it doesn't have anything to do with nationality or, or race necessarily. It's just all shades of brown. Um, and so I knew the lady who um, started it. And so when she asked me to come aboard, um, you know, I was absolutely um, just knowing from, you know, my experience as a little girl, but also, um, you know, I have two nieces and I know it was always kind of difficult to find um, good quality um, dolls. It's a lot better now. Um, I think there's definitely more, you know, diversity now, but my oldest niece is 21. So when she was little, um, it really was challenging. And so, um, you know, one of my messages has always been, you know, part of my brand has always been, um, you know, just knowing and embracing your self-worth because you really can't be successful um, truly successful. You can you can attain success, but I think that there are a lot of people who attain success and still don't feel successful, if that makes sense. Right. Um, and that's because they don't have the self-worth to support that success. So that's why you see all these crazy <laughs> um, millionaires. I mean, they've, they've reached a certain level in their life, but they're still not happy. Um, and there's still something missing. And so um, it was just a, an important message I thought um, to be a part of. And um, it's really taken off and it's it's grown tremendously and, and rightfully so. That's wonderful. And yeah. um, and and you've you've had quite a number of accomplishments in your career in radio and TV and uh, and, and in producing as well. Um, what have been some of the challenges for you uh, being a female and being a minority female? Well, I don't know if being a minority was necessarily a challenge for me because I, I, I worked in urban radio. So most of us were minorities. Okay. Um, I, 
So that really wasn't like an issue. I think for me, even with television, even though I wasn't in, in the urban TV, you know, genre, um, I think the biggest challenge for me um, was being female. I mean, going to work at ESPN, I mean, it is it is no joke. I mean, you are playing right. with the big boys, <laughs> and they never let you forget it. Um, right. I mean, they, you know, I, I, I feel still so like I think about it, I start to feel traumatized, like all over again. It was really a very traumatic time um, for me. Um, and I think that it, I, and I think, I think the two things that I got from that was one, um, you know, not everybody is, is you know, going to like you, you know, I mean, I, right. not everybody's going to treat you well. Um, and I think that, you know, you have to own um, your reaction to that. And I don't think I always reacted um, in a way that I I look back on and am proud of. Um, but two, um, you know, you really have to respect the field. I mean, I knew I was a talented journalist and I knew I was a talented broadcaster, but, and I loved sports, but that's kind of really where it ended. You know, I really kind of wanted, you know, I went into it wanting to make a name uh, for myself in a field where not many minority females make a name for themselves. Um, right. And that really wasn't the right way to go into it. So I learned pretty quickly. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if you know Trey Wingo, um, but I interned I under not. him. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I mean, now is that ESPN? I, I don't know if he's – no, this was at a station. This was at the uh, CBS affiliate in St. Louis. I want to say he's with – he's not with ESPN now, but he's with one of the other syndicated sports channels, uh, maybe okay. Sports Center. Um, okay. But anyway, but I interned under him when we were both in local sports. And, um, you know, we would just sit around and talk, and he could tell me, like, stats from, like, 1922, you know, for a baseball player that didn't even start, you know. And it was just amazing Um, some of the knowledge and recollection that a lot of these broadcasters have in their, their, you know, area of of their sport of expertise. And I had none of that. (laughs) You know, I just wanted to stand there and, you know, talk about the game and how much fun it was. You know, I I just really didn't have a grasp on, you know, what I needed to be successful. Um, and I don't know if I wanted to, to, to know all that. Um, right. but it taught me that you really have to respect, um, the profession that you're going into, um, in order to be successful in that profession. And I really did not respect that part of it. Um, and so, and, and TV for me was not very comfortable. Um, it's more comfortable now, but it's a very, um, it's a very, um, visual and shallow <laughs> way of communicating. Um, right. And I, and by that, I mean, because people look at you, um, you know, often they're not paying attention to what you're saying. They're more concerned about what you look like or, you know, what dress you have on or, you know, if your shoes are right. I mean, it, it just was very shallow to me. Um, and I didn't like being dictated to like what I could wear, what I could do with my hair. It, you know, it just, it was just kind of crazy for me. Um, right. But what it did do was it pushed me into um, examining other forms of communication. And so I went to go sit in uh, a friend of mine was a, a morning show co uh, morning show host in Boston. 
and his co-host went on um, maternity leave. And so he was looking for people to come in and kind of sit in for a week at a time, you know, while she was gone. And so I went and sat in for a week and I resigned. I was like, that's it. This is, this is where I'm supposed <laughs> to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and it's just because radio is just such an intimate form of communicating. I mean, it really is, you know, just like we're doing now. It's really just like having a conversation, um, you know, with some good friends in a room and just kind of sitting around, you know, chatting. I mean, people know what you sound like. And so they, they you know, they form certain, um, you know, concepts, you know, they, they perceptions of what they think you look like. But most of the time they don't know. They do now because everything is so, you know, social media and all that kind of stuff. And when I first started, people, you know, they may not ever know what you look like. Um, and I loved that. I absolutely loved that. Um and so radio just, I mean, it just, it's just, to me, it's just very special. Yeah. And, and, uh, you, you know, back then, I think there was a, almost like a certain level of anonymity because, you know, because in radio, you, you didn't see what the people look like, you know? No, uh, absolutely. And, you know, for me, like they've, they changed my name, like Nikki Woods is not my legal name. Um, right. And so, you know, people, you know, they they had to really <laughs> look for you to be able to find you. Um, and I liked that, too. I mean, I still like, you know, being able to go into a bank and, you know, people not know it's me. I mean, I know that there are a lot of people, especially women that have had trouble, you know, with stalkers and people being able yes. to find them and track them down. And so um, for me, it just it, it added a, another layer of protection. Now it's like really who I am. I mean, I've you know, I've been Nikki for more than half my life. So right, really right. now somebody calls me Lorna, like we went to high school together where it's my dad, you know, or my mom. It's not not many people um you know, call me that. So so it's just it's just interesting. I mean I think that um I think when you find out what you're really supposed to do in the world this world, I mean it's like so much a part of who you are. Um that it's not, you know, there's there's no stress, there's no real challenge in in doing that now you know other people bring the challenges in like management and corporation i mean they bring the challenges but just doing what you love there's no there's no challenge in that right and and you were uh, working uh with the tom joiner morning show for how long for eight years that's a long time yeah, you know that what, I've been really time. lucky in my career. I mean, I started out, you know, everything up until um, Chicago was like, you know, a year, year and a half. And then I was in Chicago for 10 years um, on the number one station, number one morning show, co-host. Um, and then when that ended, I was with Tom for eight years. So I really didn't do, um, you know, kind of the the small town, you start in a small market and you kind of work your way up. I mean, I started in Boston for radio anyway, which was a top 10 market. Um, and then Chicago is number three and then Dallas was number five. So, I mean, I've really been very lucky and fortunate, um, in my career that I, I have had jobs that, you know, have, have had such staying power. Right. Yeah. And, and you don't see that often where, you know, someone is with a particular show or network for that amount of time. No, you, just you don't. don't. Um, yeah, you don't. But I think that it also, um, I think it's it's a testament to my work ethic, number one. Um, I think that, you know, I could have stayed at that job forever. 
Um, right. I really don't think that that they would have gotten rid of me, and I know now that they they wish they had done some things differently. Um, but you know, I mean, you 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 live and you learn. But I think that um, you know, I have a really, and I get this from my father. I mean, I have a really strong work ethic, and I didn't right. treat it like a job. I mean, I tra- treated it like it was mine. Um, and I think that's, you know, what you have to do to, to get staying power. Um, if I had wanted to get another job in radio, I could have because of my reputation. Um, sure. So like I said, it just was time for me to make a different, different decision. And, and how, how was that experience? And, and, you know, I, I, I listened to the Tom Joy in the morning show. So uh, how, how was that experience uh, working on that show? Um, it was it was some of the best years of my life, but it was also, um, you know, some of the most demanding. I mean, I went from being talent, which means you kind of show up and you talk for right. four hours and then you go home, um, to really like a, a nonstop 16, 18-hour day, depending on what's going on. Um, because I really was like the last stop. I mean, I was Tom's lifeline to the company. Um, but as far as the show goes, I mean, I was the last stop before everything went to Tom. So right. my job was not done. And I was in the studio doing, you know, I still did the, the I still did a um, a daily segment on our Chicago affiliate. So I was still doing on-air work. I did all the voiceover work for Tom. So I was, you know, I was there in the morning. Um, and then the day, you know, kind of goes on because then people show up at like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, and they're ready to get to work. And you're like, ah, I finished this before. And, but, it right. doesn't, but that doesn't matter because that was my job. Um, and so I think that um, if I could have just taken those four hours that we worked on the show, I'd have been a happy camper. It was kind of everything else that was layered on top of it um, that made it challenging. But it also it, it allowed me to grow. I mean, it, it forced me to grow. Sure. Um, and it forced me to learn how to, you know, to handle different, difficult situations um, with integrity and grace, um, and ho- often love, not all the time, but often. Right. Um, but it was, it was just a demanding job. And I don't think that there's anything really that anybody could have done to make it any different. I mean, it was just, it's, you know, they always say you pay the cost to be the boss. And that's kind of how I felt about that situation. You know, I asked for the big title, um, right. and now I have to live up to it. Yeah. To you, much has been given. From you, much is expected. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I, I, and I, I think still a, feel that way. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people don't understand, particularly with radio, um, that there is a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes, you know, oh before, God. during, oh, and yeah. after the show. You know, oh my um, I mean, I had a staff, I mean, I had 121 producers around the country because that's how many cities we were in, but just right. in Dallas on staff, when I first started there, um, I had six producers, six producers wow. producing content for a show. I mean, that's like wow. unheard of. So, so yeah, so we were, we were a high content show. Um, and you don't really see that anymore. But yes, the work, the effort, the sacrifice—I mean, it—it, it, you know, it—it it just was. It was just a lot. It was just a lot. And um, and I had such good job security because Tom depended on me so for so much. It would be right. so funny. It's like he would ask me, 
you know, to do something. I'd be like, you know, I'm not in the, the web department, right? <laughs> you know, like, you know, that's not what I do, right? <laughs> but, you know, it, it was my job to make sure that he was represented the way he wanted to be represented across the board. Right. So if I was the person that he felt comfortable to get that message, then, you know, then that's just added to my role. Um, right. You know, it. there were a few boundaries that we had to, to create, <laughs> you know, like, you know, um, just for, you know, some work-life balance. Um, but they weren't many. I mean, I wanted to um, I wanted to make sure that the show was where it should be, and in order for the show to be where it was supposed to be, Tom had to be where he was supposed to be. Right, right. But, you know, th- all that work, I mean, Tom's the – Tom's the the star of the show, and mm-hmm. you know by the time he gets there, you and I'm just guessing here. You can correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm not knocking Tom because he's a star. But you know by the time he'd get to the studio, you'd probably been working at least two hours. You know. And, um. Well, let me just say this. Let me let me yeah. well let me say this about Tom. The one thing Tom did do, and he is different in in than most hosts in this manner. Um, he okay. did get it. Like he would call you at three o'clock in the morning, like just to make sure stuff was going right. But <laughs> he didn't have to. Um, he did not have to work the entire day. So, right. um, so that demand, and I don't even think he knows. And this is how this is how good the staff was. I don't think he even when I resigned, he was confused. Like he was confused about why I felt that it was too much. Um, he was confused. He he was not aware that like I had meetings after the show that would last, you know, until three o'clock. Um, right. He really thought that I just kind of prepared for the show, made sure the show went okay, you know, got stuff to him that he's supposed to review before the show, you know, did that in the evening. He didn't know that my day was like continuous. And right. so it's, the fact that he wasn't even aware, I think is just, a, you know, a testament to the staff because we made it, you know, look effortless. Um, even though a ton of effort went into it. Um, so, so yeah, so he, he really is a hands-on kind of guy, but he still did not have the kind of hours um, that, that I was putting in um, in order to bridge the gap um, between the show and then the rest of the company. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, and again, I know that, you know, uh, when when I worked for the sheriff, I I co-hosted and produced his radio show, and mm-hmm. you know we we would talk. It was a weekly show, and we would discuss it, you know, earlier in the week. Um, but there was so much that I had to do beforehand, you know, in terms of mm-hmm. coordinating schedules and you know making sure the studio was available, and you know uh, we didn't have a set time. Uh, kind of like my show now, we don't have a set time. It kind of moves from week to week, you know, depending on what's going on. And, and, you know, there's a lot of background research that gets done. And and to your point earlier, you know, there's meetings after the show, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's like, there's always, there's always things going on, but you know, when you have a a great team, Yeah. yeah, but I, I mean, right, what right. I'm saying is that's on a good predictable day. There were days where, like, God forbid somebody died and we had to do, like, 12 tributes, um, you right. know. And, it, it, I mean, it just – it's like I tell people, when, when Michael Jackson died, I was in, in Jamaica with my family. I was producing the show from the pool deck. 
because Tom wasn't comfortable with other people producing the show. So, right. I mean, it, it's just there are, you know, times Tom, where, you know, the where, whole you know, the thing whole... would just get thrown out the window. And you really had to, um, you know, to put in extra hours. I mean, the travel, um, Tom could decide that he wanted to be in Cincinnati on a Thursday and he wanted to be there Friday morning for the show. So, I mean, you had to, you know, he, you know he, and he doesn't really ask you. He just kind of tells you and then expects, you know, the magic to happen. Right. Um, and so all of that was, <laughs> that was like my life, you know. Right, because you got to coordinate the travel. You got to make sure the affiliate you know, has the studio available and, you know. Yes, I mean, and, et cetera, et cetera. and you take a regular radio host and then multiply it by 10 because Tom is, Tom's extra. Um, right. Tom has a lot more going on than most, most, most radio show hosts. Right, right. And what, what would you say as you, you know, as you look back on your career, and, and I know you were Woman of the Year in 2013, um, for the M E and W E Inc. What, what is that? Me and we Inc. Me and we Inc. Okay. Me and um, we. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Me and we. Um, it, it, it's it's an organization that you know teaches women that they have to put themselves first before they can take care of the collective. So a lot okay. of us women, we like give and give and give and give. But if you are you know drained and you have nothing left to give, then what happens? And so it's kind of like, you know, a self-care, taking care of yourself so that you can take care of everybody else that you have to take care of. Okay. That's their well, con- yeah. congratulations on being um, the woman of the year in 2013. Very well deserved. Thank you. And, and as you look at, um, you know, uh, as you're on, to put in your words, this leg of your career, I, I, I like the way you, you used that term earlier. Um, Looking back at some of your accomplishments, what what are some of your greatest achievements? Wow. Um, wow. I mean, I really think just um, – I think the, the thing that I'm most proud of is that, um, you know, I've been able to connect to so many people and give them what they needed in any given moment. So for me, just being that voice for um, women – um, professional women, single mothers, um, and, and making sure that they have what they need to be successful in any area of life is, is really what um, I've, I've worked so hard for my brand to stand for, and I think that, that it does that. And so I'm really proud of that. But there are so many, um, and, and I tell people all the time, it's like when you work in, in the kind of field that I work in, like we don't have to go looking for ways to help. I mean, like people come looking for us. You know, and so I'm just so proud of, you know, the things that we did, like with Katrina and, you know, 9-11, when there have been some really serious, um, you know, situations and tragedies, you know, we're there to be the voice. Um, We're there to disseminate information. We're there to say it's okay. Um, We're there to pull a community together. Um, and, And that has been an honor and a privilege. Um, that I just cannot, you know, cannot overstate. I mean, I never have to, you know, sit around and twiddle my thumbs and try to figure out, like, how I can give back. Um, so many people bring that to you um, that, you know, and for that I'm grateful. 
um, you know, that I've been able to, to do so much. I mean, I just think of, you know, situations like Trayvon Martin and, you know, it's just like we're always there, you know. Right. You know, listening to the community and, like I said, giving information and rallying and, you know, President Obama. I mean, I've known – I've known President Obama. I worked in Chicago, so you know he he ran for Senate when I was there. So I've known him since that then. And you know Michelle and I used to be her first lady. Michelle and I used to be on panels together. You know we did a lot of work together. And so to be able to to take it from that, <laughs> sure, you know, to being a a, a really um, a driving force and getting him elected the first time and then reelected and being invited to the White House and being able to take my my parents, my father, oh my, you should have seen his face, um, and to take my children, my sons, to see like what you can do when you really you know put your mind to something. Right. Um, I mean, I cannot. There's no way I can answer the question and say, like, what are the biggest – like, my whole career has been, you know, like a highlight reel. It really has. Right. And, um, and for that, like I said, I mean, I'm just extremely grateful. I feel extremely blessed. Um, and because of that, I think why I was um, – you know, I was comfortable making the sacrifices that I did because I'd, I'd made sacrifices. I did, you know. Um, there are times, you know, it, it, my son used – my oldest son played baseball and – um, you know, and I would be at the, his game with a laptop, you know, cause I had to work. Um, I had sure. to get stuff done and I, you know, so there, there have been sacrifices. My kids have not grown up knowing, you know, the mother that bakes cookies and, you know, all the friends come over on a Saturday because, you know, either mommy wasn't home or she was too busy working to, to, to be there for that. Um, and so, but like I said, I mean, there came, you know, there came a time and I just had to make a different decision and I'm extremely, um, grateful that I did and I um I find it a privilege now to to be serving in a different way um but because of the reputation that I built I mean I still you know I, I still stand on that and um and I think that I still live a you know a pretty charmed life because of it I mean it's it's I think when you base your life in service um you know, you just, you, you get blessed 10 times over. I, I tweeted the other day, it's like, you know, when you serve others, it's like you benefit more from it than they do. I mean, they think that they're yes. the ones that are benefiting, but really um, the person who is doing the serving, they, they benefit, I think, even more. And I think that's what, you know, the true servants, the true servants at heart, that's why they can, they can go as long as they go and do as much as they do and because they know that they're, they're being blessed on the back end. Absolutely. And, you know, I've always tried to explain that to folks that that have not worked in human services or nonprofit, you know, that there is a reward that that you get from from working with people and helping people. And, And it's not that that's your motivation, but that's just that's the benefit and the blessing you get from helping another human being. And it's something that unless unless you've done it, you can't understand it. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it really is just the way the universe works. And, and like, you know, and and that's a great point. I mean, that's not why you do it. Um, And I certainly don't think that I thought about it like that at the beginning of my career. Um, But I just know that, that all that I have withstood, all the, you know, things that I've been through, um, I think that that is what has kept me sane. Right. One. Um, you know, because there's there's always, you know, I think and I and I've been through some things and I don't want anybody to think that I've led this, you know, this this this, you know, 
princess kind of life because I haven't. Um, and I think that's the other thing that makes me, um, you know, I guess seem accessible to a lot of people mm-hmm. um, because I have been through so many things. So it's not like, you know, I grew up with the, the silver spoon in my mouth. I had a great family, but, you know, we were middle class, hardworking. Um, you know, I just had a really smart daddy who knew what to do with his money. Um, right. But, you know, I've been through things in my life. And so um, it has kept me um, humble, and I think think that when you focus on other people, um, like we were talking about earlier, when you focus on the good things and you focus on giving to other people, a lot of that stuff kind of gets, you know, buffed out. It's like you don't feel the pain as much, you don't feel the depression as much, you don't feel the sadness as much your own because you're so focused on other people and, and helping them. Right. Right, absolutely. And and let's let's just talk about your current work and yes. and everything you're doing. And and again, you know, uh for the listeners, uh you want to definitely follow Nikki Woods on Twitter and Facebook and really uh, I I I love I love uh pretty much just about every everything you post on Twitter because you always post such profound, you know, statements and always positive. Um, there's always a lot of gratitude uh, in what you post. And, you know, I've, I've followed your career now for a number of years. And, uh, and that's why, you know, it, I really wanted to get you on the show because I said, you know, this is somebody who gets it. I know you're not perfect. But I, no, this, is somebody, <laughs> this is somebody who understands life. And this is somebody who, you know, understands the blessings that come and, and that sometimes the blessings come uh, not dressed up as a blessing. Sometimes they come in different yeah, ways, you know. Absolutely. Um, so, so tell us about, about your current work and, uh, and all, all the wonderful things that, that are in the, on the horizon for you. Sure. So I created Nikki Woods Media, which is my company, um, probably about five years ago, um, because I saw the need, uh, especially with women um, who wanted to have greater control over their schedules and their lives and their money. Um, And so I started, you know, focusing on helping them um, gain visibility for their business. Um, We were at a great time with social media, and so I worked, you know, with that, you know, helping them develop their platforms because it doesn't matter how great a product you have or a service or, you know, you could be a phenomenal human being, but if nobody knows about you or your book or your service, then it's hard to build a business. And so I started there, and it's really kind of um, just built upon that. And so now I work um, with entrepreneurs, um, whether you're full-time or you're, you know, still at a nine-to-five, but you're building your business like I did, um, to to be seen as an authority. So I really specialize in working with authors and experts um, to get their message out, to find their ideal client, and to uh, build a sustainable business um, using mostly, you know, content um, in social media and traditional media. So most of my clients are female. That just, that just seems to be who's, who's drawn to me. But I do have some men, and I, I don't discriminate one way or the other. Um, right. But I think because, you know, I'm a single mother that, you know, had a demanding profession and 
you know, built a business too, that I just kind of, you know, that that's just my energy that I think draws in, you know, people of that same energy. Um, so it's been great. I mean, it's been a ton of fun. I've learned a lot. I've had to grow. I mean, it's, it's, it's a whole different feel, you know, when you're, you're dependent on you to kind of make everything happen. Um, as opposed to knowing that you're going to get, you know, paid every two weeks <laughs> without fail. Right. So, right. but it's, but it's been, it's been a faith walk, but I think that, um, I think that it's been good. You know, it's it's always a transition, and there's always, you know, a little bit of, oh, my gosh, what did I just do, you know? Um, but I've never been worried uh, about it. I've always, you know, I, I know that everything is going to be taken care of. You know, there have been some bumps, but, you know, it's, you know, you smooth it out pretty quickly, and you, you keep it moving. Um, but it has been, it has been a blessing, because I have done things, you know, I take my kids to school every day. I I bake bread once a week. You know, they now they get the cookies and the you know the kids come over. I mean, it's it's everything <laughs> that you know I wanted them to to have. Um, right. And I think that it just you know it just shows that it's never too late. You know, to to do right. something differently. You know, whether it be a you know personal decision or a career decision, it's it's just never too late. Um, and I and and I wanted you know an opportunity to really be able to make some good memories. Um, not that we didn't have memories, but I really wanted to be intentional. I didn't want them just to happen because they happen, you know, like Christmas happens. Um, I really wanted to be intentional about every day, you know, doing something that's going to create a memory for them. Um, because I had that. That's what I had when I was growing up. I mean, my my parents were very hands-on and, you know, we would get in the station wagon and, you know, drive across the country. I mean, we did things, you know, we made those memories. And I wanted to make sure that I, you know, I not duplicated, but at least, you know, was intentional um, about creating memories with them. And, and, you know, th- this is what they're going to remember, you know, th- these so. years, they're, they're going to remember that. Yeah, I think so. And I think that it, you know, um, I, I mean, I want to live my life in a way that is an example for them. Um, I don't think that anymore, you know, it's where, you know, like my father, <laughs> You know, he went to college, he graduated, he got his degree, he went to work for the government, and then he retired, you know, he retired from them like, you know, 25, 30 years later. I mean, it's not like that anymore. There's so many options for kids and, you know, some need to go to school, some may not need to go to school. Some, you know, may need to work for corporations, some might need to start their business right out of the gate. You know, there's just so many different ways for them to go. Um, And I don't want them ever to think that they have to be boxed into something. Um, and so it was important for me to to really kind of live, um, you know, live, walk the talk, you know, and live live by example for not only them but for all the clients that I tell, you know, that they can do this. You know, right. I was still working at a job for a long time, telling them, you know, you can leave your job, and then, you know, I'm like, what? Well, I, I haven't <laughs> even left mine, you know. That's right. So um, yeah, so it's 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 I always want to, you know lead by example, but I also want to live my truth. And I think that um, at this point in the life, my life, that's exactly what I'm doing. Right. Right. And, and what's on, what's on your, what's on the horizon? What's on your, on your bucket list? We know uh, marriage is on the list. Yeah. <laughs> we've we've got the, the place, list. we've got the dress, you got yeah, the minister. Got the reverend. Yeah, <laughs> got I um, you know what? I just I want to travel more. I want to um, and I want to travel for pleasure. I don't want to I don't want to necessarily travel for work. Um, and I I just want to um, 
you know, I, I, I know that n- not this year, but next year I'm going to start my own foundation. Um, and I just really, yeah, I just really want to enjoy life. I tell people I kind of did it backwards. You know, I was like very, <laughs> I was very structured and, you know, every, everything, you know, was according to plan. And I kind of did it the way that it was supposed to be done. And now I just kind of want to have some fun. I really do. Right. Right. Really and do. and your foundation is going to focus on what? Um, women, and I think that um, I want to provide scholarships for them to get training um, in business. I think that's the other area that I think that we um, we don't focus on. It's like we decide we want to start a business, but we really don't have any real training. We just have a passion. And I think that if you want to build something that is going to not just support you, but become a legacy um, and something, that, you know, for your children and your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, that we really have to, to, to develop the skills to run a business. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm leaning towards at this point. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Any uh, any closing comments or thoughts? And I thank you no, so much for, for coming on the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate you. That would be my closing thought. I'm just I'm very grateful. I, I don't take it lightly. Um, when people extend their platform um, to me, I mean that that is that is a big trust move, I know. And so I um, I really appreciate and I'm honored by the opportunity. Um, and I just thank you because you ha- you have been extremely supportive, um, and I, I thank you for that. And and I'm you know I'm glad that that things went well for you and are continuing to go well. And 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 I wish you many blessings for the future. Thank you, and and likewise to you and and. You know, I have on my bookshelf a copy of Shift Happens. I um, know. Which is signed That's by you. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, I'm I'm real happy about that. Real happy about that. And, and and you were so gracious with that and, and turned it around very quickly. So I appreciate <laughs> that. You know, and, and, and I think that's, you know, you're, you're as busy as you are and, and – uh, you know, and and I know you you're constantly moving. Um, you you have been very responsive. You know, not just to me, but but to others. And and I think, um, you know, that that's something that uh, it's an attractive quality in a person when you know they they're responsive and and you, know, you can reach them and and they respond and you know and and they understand you know they understand the foundation of relationships and communication. And, you know, uh, you know, to, to all the listeners, I, I think uh, you want to get close to Nikki and, and follow her and follow her career because, you know, she's continuing to do amazing, amazing things. And I know that this is just a, another stepping stone in your life. And, and I know you're going to, you know that foundation is going to be is going to be phenomenal, and you're going to do great work, and and you know it's going to be on a national platform. I know it. And uh, hey, you never know. One day you may be in the White House. <laughs> well, no, I'm not. <laughs> that is nowhere <laughs> in my realm of thinking. I do not want to be a politician, but I do. You know, I do, I do want to make a difference, and I think that when we right. all focus on making a difference, you know, the the whole world shifts a little bit. And yes. so, I mean, I do want to. I definitely want to do my part. 
Um, and I think, and I encourage everybody, you know, just to do your part. I mean, I think that for our, for some of us, we get so overwhelmed trying to figure out, like, what really huge thing we can do. Like, you know, we're going to be the next Mother Teresa or, you know, right. President Obama or, you know, and it, it's really, it doesn't have to be that deep. I mean, you can do something right. in your community. You can raise great human beings. I mean, you know, it, the little things are, you know, when it's all added up and collectively we're all doing our part, that's when that's when the real difference is made. So it's like people, you know, they, they waste time trying to figure out this huge endeavor. And I don't think it has to be huge. I just think it has to, to you know, be purposeful. Um, and so I just encourage everybody to be purposeful. Right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Nikki. Uh, I, I can't you. tell you how much I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, it's been a it's been a great chat, and uh, I know I kept you longer than than uh, than you originally thought you'd be on. <laughs> that, that's okay. That's okay. I appreciate. But you know, shift really happens. Shift, shift happens. happens. That's exactly right. You have to be very careful with that. Yes. <laughs> Good thing we're on Blog Talk Radio, right? Exactly. Exactly. Well, God bless you. Many blessings to you and your family. Um, I know I know that we'll stay in touch. And, uh, Absolutely. You know, any way that, that I can help you with, with your future and your plans, please let me know. You're always welcome to come back on the show. Yeah, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Bless you, too. And um, and I look forward to, to, to the future. So good luck. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, folks, we're going to be wrapping it up. Uh, we've had a great show with Nikki Woods. Again, you definitely want to uh, you definitely want to follow her um, on social media. Uh, you can follow her on Facebook and Twitter, um, and and definitely uh, check out some of her work and uh, and stay tuned for the future work uh, that she's doing. Um, if you have an idea for a show, uh, send us a message through the, uh, through the show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Michael Calderon show. Uh, anytime you want to call in with a question or comment, uh, particularly for a guest, the number is 929-477-1785. Again, it's 929-477-1785. Um, we thank you so much for tuning in to the Michael Calderon show. Um, we're going to close out with uh, shy by Danielle Morgan. Uh, if you haven't had an opportunity to listen to her interview, uh, that she did here on the Michael Calderon show a few months ago, go to our show page and you can listen to the interview uh, with Danielle Morgan, who is a singer and songwriter in the United Kingdom, uh, both her and John Merrigan. Uh, they do phenomenal work, and uh, she's doing she's doing great, great. So her newest hit, "Shy" by Danielle Morgan and John Merrigan. Uh, we're gonna play it now, and then uh, we're gonna say good night.
listening to the Michael Calderon Show. We thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great night.